0: I'm so thankful that you're here, Father. And uh, as we come to study your word together, what I say is not very important, but what you through your Holy Spirit speaking to our heart is of utmost importance. So you, Holy Spirit, you be the one who speaks to our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, maybe I'm weird as a guy, but I like roses. Now, don't give me a Bouquet of roses. That's not what I'm talking about. But I enjoy uh, growing roses. How many of you have a rose garden at your house? Maybe it's one or two plants. Okay. Well, here's a picture of my rose garden, and uh, that was taken this summer. And uh, you know, we we grew the roses, and we're excited about that. We got about five or six uh, rose bushes. Um, but sometimes your rose bushes get pruned when you don't want them to be pruned. And so the pruner cometh. Look at this next slide. (laughs) Now, I went out and I had a conversation with this guy and said, this is the wrong time of year to prune the roses. So I don't want you here. Just move on. And sure enough, he left. But the next morning, he had a feast during the night. (laughs) They were all gone. So the pruning was done. All right. Well, oh, in the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples before um, he was betrayed, he talked to them about pruning. And so let's pick up reading in John chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses one through 10. John 15, uh, beginning at at verse one. And uh, uh, Jesus pruning is a lot better than that deer's pruning. Let me put it that way. John 15, beginning at verse 1, Jesus said this, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit, if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus makes two very important uh, declarations about Himself and about God His Father. Uh, And and there in verse 1 He says this, I am the true vine. That's the very first part of of, uh, John 15 verse 1. I am the true grapevine, the New Living Translation says. Here is Jesus and He's identifying Himself as the true vine. And that word true is critically important here to really understand what he's saying. He's the true vine, the true grapevine. Uh, One of the things you see in the Old Testament is that Israel was the grapevine of God, was the vine of God over and over again that declaration is made for instance in in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 21 it says i have planted you like a choice vine of sound and re- reliable stock he's talking to the nation of israel here and uh, and he uh, they're there <coughs> excuse me to produce really to help people to come to know a relationship with the god the true god of israel and time and time again though Israel failed to carry out their function as the vine of God. That is of bringing the world around them into a fruitful relationship uh, with God. They failed in doing that. For instance, uh, if you look at the very last part of verse 21 there, it says, how then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Isaiah speaks of Israel's failure to be the vine of God, the vineyard of God in Isaiah chapter five, beginning at verse one. And we read this. He says, now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower "...and carved a winepress in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were bitter. Now you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes?" Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies the people of judah are his pleasant garden he expected a crop of justice but instead he found oppression he expected to find righteousness but instead he heard cries of violence Israel failed to carry out the mission that God had given them as a nation and so Jesus now is on the earth and he says, I am the true vine, true as meaning real, meaning perfect, meaning genuine, as opposed to that which is useless and, and empty and, and, and worthless, the, the worthless vine of, of Israel. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that I have taken Israel's place now as the focus of salvation for the earth. That's my, my job, my role. And so Jesus begins by saying, "I am the true vine." And then the second thing that he tells us is that God, the Father, is the gardener or the vine dresser. Look at the last part of, of verse one there in John 15. It says, "And my Father is the gardener." It is, it, God is the vine dresser or uh, the gardener, depending on which translation you read. And the gardener, the vine dresser, has two responsibilities that Jesus is going to point out to us here. The first responsibility is that he removes branches that don't bear fruit. Look at verse 2. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. In other words, these are the fruitless branches. uh, Branches that don't bear fruit. Uh, that is there, you know, there's not the fruit of the Spirit there. There's no evidence of the fruit of righteousness in their life. There's no evidence of the fruit of making an influence on people that they might know and, and grow in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're, they're fruitless. They're, they're worthless. And so these branches are those that are removed by the Father. And, and look at the intended outcome. The outcome is that they're to be gathered into a pile and burned. Because they're they're useless. Now in context, Jesus is talking about people who are not true followers of His. Those who maybe try to give the appearance of being a follower, but they're not true followers because there's no fruit. To be a Christian is to produce fruit in your life. But here there is no fruit. Remember what Jesus said. He says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So there are false people out there claiming to be believers in in Christ. And God, as the vine dresser, as the gardener, is responsible for cutting off, pruning, cutting away those fruitless, worthless vines. You know, in the last 20 months or so, I believe that God the Father is in the business of pruning the church of Jesus Christ, here in our nation, here in our community, here, here at Calvary. Um, because there's a lot of non-fruit-bearing limbs out there. There are a lot of people who make the appearance of being a follower of Christ, but there's no evidence that, it, that it's true. Now remember, what is the purpose of pruning what is the purpose of pruning? One of the purposes of pruning is uh, is think about this on a fruit tree. Limbs that don't bear fruit have a tendency to rob the tree of nutrients and moisture. That ought to go to, to producing fruit. And when a limb is not producing fruit, it's just a, it's, a, it's sapping the energy out of that tree. It's, it's cutting down the productivity of that tree. And the tree doesn't grow healthy uh, with sucker shoots, you know, that come out, you know, of the trunk or any kind of excessive foliage. So pruning is necessary for the growth, for the health, and for the fruitfulness of a tree. The same is true with a church. For a church to be healthy and growing and fruitful, there's got to be some pruning done. And I think that God is pruning away that which is false, that which is uncommitted, that which is unfruitful in His church. You and I agree. We're headed for the last days. Don't you believe that? We're living at the end of time. I honestly believe that. And churches are going to need to be lean. They're going to be, need to be committed. Everybody's going to need to be on board. Folks, in these days ahead, there's not going to be room for the uninvolved in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, COVID... I'm not going to get on a political bandwagon here, so don't get scared, okay? Uh, COVID though has resulted in a lot of people who have opted not to worship together in person. And I I understand some of those of you who, who have health issues, who have difficulties like that, you have been very, very faithful to join us in worshiping online. And I want to say thank you for that. I, that. That is a plus. that is a good thing. One of the things you could do is comment every once in a while, say, "Amen or whatever. Type that out, you know. Uh, Pastor John back there, he writes out questions and comments, and he wants you to interact with him. Do that. Let us know that you're alive back there behind the, the, the TV screen, OK? But I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. But the tragedy is that some people have used COVID as a reason not to be involved in the church. And you can be involved in church even if you're staying home watching online. There's a lot that you could be involved in. But some are using COVID as an excuse not to be involved in church. Here's the kicker. They say, well, I'm not coming because I'm trying to stay healthy, blah, 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 blah. And yet, I see these same people shopping. I see these same people in restaurants. And I wonder, I wonder, what about the commitment there? Folks, don't use a legitimate health reason to become a sorry excuse to neglect assembling with the people of God. Don't do that. You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more so as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. These are desperate times that are going to call for us as the army of Jesus Christ to come together and to be the army, to be the church of Jesus Christ in these days. And so I believe these are days when, when God is... Kind of cutting away those false, worthless, unproductive branches of the church. Um, Again, in John chapter 15, verse 6, Jesus said, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Is this what God is doing to the church in America? That He's pruning away that which is useless? Uh, Listen to what John the baptizer said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 10. John said this, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And then verse 10, Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us, don't judge. Don't judge lest you be judged, okay? So we're not to judge. And yet at the very same time, Jesus has authorized us to be fruit inspectors. Have you ever thought about that? Look at Matthew 7, verse 17. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. (laughs) And then look at verse 20. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. See, God is cutting away from His church that which is fake and, and phony and useless. It's like what the writer of Hebrews talked about when he talked about the race that we're involved in. And he says, you know, strip off every weight that weighs you down and run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Uh, God is in the business of stripping down the church for the final race that you and I are in. And, and we've got to be ready to produce fruit. That means you, that means me, that means all of us. We need to be ready because God is going to do something in these last days through His church in a mighty way, and we want to be a part of that. So the first thing that the the gardener does, he cuts away any branch that is useless, that's dried up, that's withered. The second thing that the gardener does, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, enabling them to produce more fruit. He cuts the branches that are producing fruit, prunes them so that they can produce more fruit. And so these are the branches that Jesus is talking about that bear fruit. The second type of branch in this this story. Uh, The the gardener prunes them and his intended outcome is so that they'll produce more fruit. And then even more fruit after that. Look at John chapter 15, the last part of verse 2. Again, talking about the gardener. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You know, when you're growing roses, pruning is absolutely necessary. And yet, that's the one thing I hate doing because I'm always hesitant. You know, well, how you know, can I, that really is a nice looking branch. Why don't I just leave that? You know what the instructions say? Cut it way, 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 way down. And I'm always hesitant. I don't want to cut it that low, it's a pretty bush. When when we were living in Germany back in 1999, we were in a region of Germany uh, that was famous for grape production. They made white wine there, a very uh, world-famous white wine and all that. One of the interesting things about it is that because of the high latitude that where we lived, uh, the sun was not very direct even in the middle of the summer. Uh, and so grapes take a lot of sun sunshine to produce. And so what they did is they planted grapes on hillsides so that the angle of the, to the sun is, is directly above the grapevines. If they planted it on flat, it wouldn't get enough, enough sunlight. So they planted it on the side of hills so that even the winter sun and the summer sun were almost directly overhead during the day. And so when we first got there, we got there in January. And so maybe by about March, we, it was warm enough, it was cold there, we were warm enough to uh, get out and walk around. So we went for a walk one day through some of the grapevines. And I was amazed, all the grapevines were about that tall, just nubs of wood. They had cut those things down to at least six inches above the ground. And there was nothing in the way of green foliage. And yet by the end of the summer, the gr- vines were six, seven feet tall and were full of grapes. They had to radically, I mean radically prune to get those vines to grow. Well, here's our father and he's pruning the church. And I think he's going to prune it in a very radical way so that we can be more fruitful in the, in the days ahead. I mean, let's be candid, Okay. Let's be candid. As a church, we've gotten fat and lazy. Can I just say that? We've gotten lackadaisical. We've gotten, you know, apathetic. Our fruit production is down. That's the truth. And you know what? God cares about His church. And God cares about the fact that we're not producing like we need to. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be a church that is producing fruit. And so here in this passage, Jesus is going to give to us three characteristics, really distinguishing characteristics of what does a branch look like that's producing fruit. And this is what we need to look for look like as a church, as individual followers of Jesus Christ, as the church in America. This is what we need to look like. First of all, they're trees that bear fruit. I mean, obviously, if it's a fruit tree, if it's a vine, it's to produce fruit. <clears throat> so look at verse 2. It says that the gardener cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And then verse 4, "...remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me." There's a real truth there. Verse 5, "...yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." And then verse 8, "...when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples." This brings great glory to my Father. So one of the characteristics of a branch that bears fruit is it bears fruit, right? And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, about what does it look like as believers, as a church, to produce fruit. But let's look at the second characteristic that really distinguishes true true branches And that is, they remain or they abide in Christ. Look at verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. He's talking about attachment here. And this is absolutely essential. That's the key to fruit bearing, is that you're attached to the vine. And uh, so in this, in this passage, the word that Jesus is using there is a word that can mean, um, uh, it it can mean abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, tarry. It is used 11 different times in in verses 1 through 11 here. And sometimes it's translated as abide. Sometimes the word is translated continue. Sometimes it's translated dwell. Sometimes it's translated remain. But all of it means to stay attached to the vine of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? What does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? Well, it means to continue in fellowship with Him so that His life can pass through our life and bless people all around us to produce fruit. And so what does abiding mean? It means that we're going to, for one thing, we're going to be spending time every day in God's Word, drawing our nutrients from the Word of God for to give us life. It certainly includes confessing our sin so that nothing can block that relationship with between us and God. Now, maybe you want to ask, the question is, well, I want to abide in Christ, but how do I know if I'm abiding in Christ? What, what's that look like, if I'm going to abide in Christ? Well, Let me just kind of help you understand what it means, how you'll know that you're abiding in Christ. First of all, there's not going to be any special feelings, okay? You're not going to wake up and think, oh, I'm abiding, you know. There's not going to be any kind of special feeling. But there's going to be clear evidence in your life that that's taking place. For one thing, when you're abiding in Christ, what are you going to do? You're going to produce fruit you're going to produce fruit. and More on that in a minute. I'll, I'll tell you what fruit looks like, okay? But also, one of the things also going to happen if you're abiding in Christ is that you can expect that God's going to prune you. God's going to prune you um, so that you can bear more fruit. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 talks about the fact that God disciplines us. We're His children, and what father doesn't discipline His children? And so he's going to talk about the fact that God will discipline us to, to help us grow in the direction that He wants us to grow. Now, um, and that, that's important, and I want you to hear me. God disciplines His followers. But what I want to do, and I want to ask you, please, 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 eliminate a word from your vocabulary. Never, ever, ever say, God punished me because... Blah, 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 God doesn't punish His children. You know, there's been only one punishment in history, and that was the punishment that Jesus endured on the cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. That's where punishment takes place. So God doesn't go around, oh, God's punishing me because I did this or I did that. God disciplines you. That's a whole different ballgame. Because he loves you. You're a son, you're a daughter, and God's discipline is there. So, one of the evidences, uh, or one of the ways you know that you're abiding is God's discipline will be on your life. There's some other evidences of abiding. mentioned in verse 7, the believer who abides in Christ is one who will ask and receive answers to prayer. Uh, He or she will experience a deepening love for Jesus Christ and for other people. You'll experience joy in your life. There's a whole bunch of them listed in these verses. Evidences of what it looks like to abide in Christ. See, this abiding relationship with Jesus is, is just as natural as a branch connected to a vine. But you know what? We've got to cultivate it in the Christian life. It doesn't happen automatically. It's got to be cultivated. And so abiding in Christ is going to demand from you worship and meditating in God's Word and prayer and sacrifice and serving. But what a joyful experience it will be when you're abiding in Christ. So once you begin to to cultivate this deeper communion with Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any desire to return to that shallow life of of being a careless Christian. It's going to be a different thing in your life. So the number two characteristic, really a distinguishing mark of those vines, is their abiding in Christ. The third thought is that those branches that produce fruit, the fruitful branches, they are cooperating fully with the source of life. They're cooperating fully with the source of life. You know, Jesus says in verse 10, if we obey His commands, we remain. We abide in His love. Back in in John chapter 8 and verse 31, listen to this, Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Another translation says, if you continue in my word, then you're disciples of mine. You see, obedience proves our love for Jesus Christ, proves that it's genuine, that it's real. Again, in this whole sermon here, uh, Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you will obey me. I find it interesting, John is the one who's recording these words for us here in the Gospel of John. John was so influenced by these teachings of Jesus Christ that years later when he came to write his first epistle, we call it 1 John, he mimicked a lot of what we've just talked about. Over in 1 John, in chapter 1, he says, Believers are those who confess their sins. Unbelievers, unfruitful Christians or followers, not Christians, unfruitful followers, people who say they're followers, deny their sin. Uh, This contrast between fruit-bearing branches and non-fruit-bearing branches. Uh, In chapter 2, believers obey God's commandment. Unbelievers don't. They don't obey God. Uh, In chapters 3 and 4, believers demonstrate love for others. Unbelievers don't do that. In chapter 2, believers live in patterns of righteousness. Unbelievers don't. So here are three characteristics of of branches that bear fruit. There's fruit-bearing, there's abiding, and then there is the uh, cooperating or obedience. And those are, folks, are good benchmarks to evaluate ourselves, our relationship to the vine and the vine dresser. Are we really a true follower of Jesus Christ? You know, sometimes, unfortunately, we fail to abide, don't we? John talks about that in Revelation chapter two, verse four, Jesus speaking to the church. um, And he said this, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And when we start drifting away from our first love, pruning is necessary. And that's one of the things that God does for us. So let me ask the question, how then does God prune us? How does He prune us? Well, we've kind of already mentioned His discipline of us, but let me give you two other ways. First of all, God prunes us through trials and sufferings and even persecution. Let me go to, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I alluded to it earlier, but vi- verse 5 and 6. The writer says this, And have you forgotten the encouraging word? This is interesting. He's going to talk about God's discipline us, and he calls it an encouraging word. You know, you're you're disciplining your child. I just want to give you an encouraging word. Your child doesn't think it's encouraging. But that's what the writer here is saying. Let me give you an encouraging word. Have you not forgot these encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when He corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those He loves. And He punishes each one He accepts as His child. If you're a child of God, He loves you. And you can expect His discipline to come. And He does that sometimes through trials and through sufferings and sometimes even persecution. All of us are going to go through those things in our life. But here's a key. Here's, Here's how you need to handle this, okay? Instead of whining and complaining... Which we do great job at, you know, if things are going tough, or whining and complaining. Instead of whining and complaining, what I want you to do is start trusting and questioning. Trusting, first of all, that God knows what he's doing and that he will see us through the struggle. But second, questioning. And what I mean by questioning is ask, God, what are you trying to teach me in this trial? What's the lesson I need to learn here? Not, why are you letting this happen, God? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, God, what is it I'm supposed to learn out of this experience? What are you teaching me? What are you revealing to me? When troubles come, don't whine, don't complain, but just trust that God's in control. And second, learn the lesson that He wants you to learn in that situation. Because there's always something that I'm to learn. And then the second way in which God prunes us, Really simple. God prunes us through His Word. God prunes us through this book. Look at at John 15, verse 3. Here's Jesus, and He's talking to His disciples, and He says, You have already been pruned and purified, what? By the message that I have given you. In other words, Jesus says, My words prune you, and they purify you. That simply says, my church family, That we have got to get into God's Word daily. Get God's Word into your life daily. It is so important. Remember, that's a part of what it means to abide in Christ. Is to be in God's Word. And and what I want to challenge you is, learn to read it to apply it read it to apply it to your life. Don't just read it. In fact, White L. Moody said this, the Bible is not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so when you read it, you need to say, how does this apply to what I'm doing right now? Um, every time I come to a passage, I need to apply it to my life. And so I've given you this crazy acrostic here called Space Bets. To use. You ought to just cut that out of your your bulletin there or on those of you online print it out and and keep it in your Bible so that every time you read a passage of scripture. You ask these questions, and it's simply this. Is this a sin I need to confess? Is there something that it's telling me that I need to confess? Is it a promise that I need to claim? Is it an attitude I need to change? Is it a command, perhaps, that I need to obey? Or an example that I ought to follow? Or maybe there's a prayer here that I need to pray, or an error that I ought to avoid, or a truth that I need to believe, or maybe it's something I need to praise God for. I mean, even this passage that we're just looking at, Philippians chapter 15, Philippians, excuse me, John (laughs) chapter 15. Uh, How does this apply to our life? How could we apply this? Well, is it a sin I need to confess? Maybe maybe I need to confess my haphazard approach to worship as a follower of Jesus Christ. Or is it a a promise I need to claim? There in verse 7 is a prayer promise that I could claim for my life. Or it's an attitude that I need to change. Maybe I need to get rid of this attitude that I can take or leave my my involvement in church and it's not a big deal. Maybe it's a command that I need to obey. I need to abide in Christ. And and so forth. Use this silly acronym, Space Pets to make sure that when you get into God's Word, you apply it to your life. James says, don't be hearers of the Word, but be Doers. That means be appliers of the Word. Apply it to your life. That's so critically important. Now, you're going to hear more about this in the next couple of weeks, but I want to challenge our entire church. In the month of December, starting on December the 1st, I want you to read one chapter out of the book of Luke every single day so that by Christmas Eve the 24th, you will have read the entire life of Jesus and you'll be ready to celebrate Christmas with a new appreciation of who Jesus is. 24 chapters, 24 days, we're going to do that together as a church. You'll be hearing more about that every day and every Sunday over the next couple of weeks. So let's get back to that pr- producing fruit. What are the fruits then that we need to produce as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, you just track that word fruit through the New Testament. And you're going to find lots of ways in which we as believers in Christ ought to produce fruit. Number one, obviously, is we ought to be producing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at your life. Is God, because you're dwelling in Jesus Christ, is beginning to produce those kinds of things? Patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and joy. Are those fruits evident in your life? That's one of the things that God is wanting to produce in our life. The fruit of the Spirit. Second, how about the fruit of praise? The fruit of praise in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. he says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess His name. Again, that's one of the things as followers of Jesus Christ that praise ought to be the common thing that comes out of our mouth rather than whining and complaining. Do you have the fruit of praise in your lips? And then, number three, how about the fruit of sacrificial love in meeting the needs of others? Paul, on his missionary journeys, as he made that, that last swing on his third missionary journey, he started excuse me an offering uh, I guess it was a second missionary journey excuse me uh, an offering of collecting money for the church in Jerusalem who were very very poverty stricken uh, for a variety of, of reasons, and so he started this offering and he had all the churches there in, in uh, that he that he was ministering to collect this offering and so he's writing to the Romans and he says this in romans fifteen twenty eight he says therefore, when I have finished this, and he's talking about his his missionary journey and and all of that And and collecting this offering, he says, When I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go by way of you to Spain. In other words, he saw this offering that the churches were collecting for the for the church in Jerusalem as a fruit. It was the fruit of sacrificial love to meet the needs of others. How often are you trying to meet the needs of other people? See, that's a fruit that you ought to be producing in your life. And then there's the fruit of righteous character in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. Again, he says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. He's talking about God's discipline of us again. He says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Is your life characterized by righteousness? By the fruit of righteousness. And then finally, there's the fruit of converts to the gospel. In other words, are people coming to know Jesus Christ and grow in Jesus Christ because of you? Because of your influence? Colossians 1.6, Paul wrote this. and He says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just that it changed your life from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Friends, we are in the business of producing fruit. One of the fruits that we're to produce is people knowing Jesus Christ and growing in Jesus Christ. So let me ask the question, how's the fruit in your life? How's the fruit in your life? In other words, this would be a, a great week for, instance, for for that matter. For you to do some fruit inspection in your own life. How, how, how's the fruit that I'm producing? Taking time to evaluate where you are in your life. Some of you maybe are at the point where, you know what, I'm not even attached to the vine. I've never met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I've never asked Him to come into my life and forgive me of my sin and, and told Him that I'm going to do that about face. Maybe that's the, the evaluation that you need to, you need to do. So how's the fruit in your life? And then how's your abiding? You know, Are you in God's Word every day? Are you praying every day? Are you involved in in church? Are you involved in a disciple group? Were you growing in your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you giving? Are you serving? Are you sharing your faith with others? How's your abiding in Jesus Christ? Folks, what I want you to know is that God is in the pruning business, okay? Uh, In some ways, He's getting the church down to what I call fighting weight. Because we've got a battle ahead for the heart and soul of our nation. And I want you to be a part of what God is going to do in the days ahead through His church in Jesus Christ. We need to be a mighty army making a difference in our community for Jesus Christ. So what, what can you do? How can you get involved? One way that you could be involved, we're doing our, the Living Nativity in the second Saturday, or second Friday, excuse me, on, uh, in December, opportunity for this entire community to come to our parking lot and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And folks, this ought to be every person in our church on deck doing something. It shouldn't be uh, John and me and a couple of the elders and a handful of other people, and we're going to pull it. It ought to be a church-wide thing. Some of you can make costumes. Some of you can hand out chocolate. Some of you can hand out flyers. Some of you can direct traffic. Some of you can put a costume on and stand like an idiot, you know, in in some hay. We can all do that, okay? I'm going to be an idiot. All right, so there you go. This ought to be something the entire church does not just a handful of people. You could do that. That's mobilizing the army to reach a community for Jesus Christ. Angel tree. We've got a tree right out here. We've got some names of a whole bunch of kids whose parent is in prison and we have an opportunity to minister at Christmas to them. Mickey and, and uh, Lisa will be out there and they can help answer any questions about how you can help with, with the angel tree. Uh, shoe boxes. You've got a week left. Pack two more boxes, not just one, two more, okay? And then prayer times. Join us tonight here in this auditorium at 6 o'clock. Join us Wednesday night on Zoom. We send out the link on Tuesday. And you can just join us. And we're praying that God's kingdom will come in this world. How about a disciple group? we got a new group starting after the first of the year and other groups that will be continuing. You need to be in a group. What are you going to do to mobilize? What are you going to do to be a part of what God is going to do in uh, in the world in the days ahead? Jesus said, "...remain in Me, and I will remain in you, for the branch cannot produce fruit." if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Folks, we are all about glorifying God. Let's be the church. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would stay attached to you and that we would be fruitful, that we would not chafe under your discipline, but that you would, allow, uh, you, that you would correct us and we would allow you to do whatever you want to do in our life, that we could be used of you to make this world different for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father, in your name we pray. Amen.